dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see headlights on both ends of my day this country Well, welcome folks to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Jennifer Amlatsky, and I'm joined on the line by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen, how's it going in the icy tundra? (laughs) It's going. I just came in from outside and went my way out to give the horses some hay, and the hay bale that was laying out there (laughs) was covered nice, and it's stuck to the ground, so I had to find a way to get it undone and get the horses some hay and make it back in the house time for you to call me. Geez, oh, Pete. I tell you what, the <laughs> days like this make me really, really glad that I don't have cattle. Because <laughs> yeah. chopping ice in uh, water troughs is no fun. <laughs> well, and the, my axe is in the back of my car because we've got cattle on stocks about four miles from the house, and so I chop ice occasionally on my way to work or way from work, and I didn't think I could get it out, so I had to find something else to poke a hole in the ice with. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least you had an axe. My dad would just say, oh, go find the nearest uh, T-post. That'll do. <laughs> yeah. Well, the T-post I used last night was frozen to the ground, so <laughs> find something else. You know, when I was a kid... Um, I'd ask Dad, well, don't they want cold water? I mean, you just tell me to suck on an ice cube, you know? <laughs> He's like, honey, that's not how it works for cattle and, and horses and livestock. That's that's not how that works. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> they, the cold water makes them colder, and they consequently don't want to drink as much. And, at least horses, anyway. I'm, the cattle, they drink what they're going to drink. So. Yeah. Do you have any water heaters? No, we don't because they just take too much juice and they cost too much to, to run. So. Yeah. Man, I'm really glad that I'm not working in a feedlot today, too, because I I bet you those fellows are just blocks of ice. Um, well, and, yeah. and your hubby, Spence, he's he's on the road trying to get to where now? He works uh, east of Dodge over by Ford, and he waited and left about 830, and it was a sheet of ice. They've treated the blacktop road out here, but it didn't do any good. And he came upon a cattle truck that he had to help get it out of the road so people could get by if they were smart enough, dumb enough to be out in this. Yeah, speaking of people uh, dumb enough to be out in this, I am in the office today, Kayleen. <laughs> <laughs> so um, last night... Um, my girlfriends and I, we all went to uh, the Tracy Lawrence and, and Justin Moore concert here in Dodge City. And, and let me tell you, there was a definite age break in the audience members, Kayleen. <laughs> I'm sure. We were talking about it yesterday on the way to the, we were trying to decide what Trace, Tracy Lawrence's hits were and when he was out. Was it the early 90s or the middle 90s? Or? It was the early to mid 90s, and he had the most gorgeous head of curly mullet that you've ever seen. 
<laughs> is he bald now? No, no, but he's he no longer has that much hair. <laughs> but uh, I tell you what, you know, I was never a big, huge Tracy Lawrence fan back then. But a lot of his hits were playing at my junior high, my junior high dances, my high school dances, proms. Um, you know, you'd go out on a date and you'd go dancing somewhere and you're dancing to a Tracy Lawrence song. And, um, you could look around in the audience and there were a lot of middle-aged people that were singing along to this stuff. And then you had the 20 something and unders that they remember it because that's what they got rocked to when they were a little baby. (laughs) And then I, then I started realizing Oh, holy crap, that's what my parents felt like if they went to, like, a, you know, a concert with, if they took us to a concert to to see, like, Loretta Lynn or or somebody along those lines. (laughs) But uh, you live and learn. It was kind of fun, though, because, um, you know, we all think it was Tracy Lawrence headlining, but no, it actually was Justin Moore headlining. And I appreciate his music, too, but I don't think I could have spotted him in public. Like, honestly, I don't know what that guy looks like, but I know his hits, so that's a good thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's very talented, and his crew was working out some bugs on their on their, um, on their their show because they're just starting a tour, so that's all fine and dandy. But um, we get out of the concert. It started at 7 with um, an opening act, and uh, we got out at like 11, 11.30, and um, the parking lot was just a sheet of ice then. And I, uh, I, got, I, I drove my, my girlfriends back to the house and um, got myself back to my house. And I tell you what, I've, that was just not fun. And uh, yeah. this morning, I had some, well, I'm not going to repeat the words I called him. Let's just say they, I didn't wave with all my fingers in my head. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he decided to pass me doing 40 miles an hour on um, one of the roads coming into the office that is a no-passing zone in good weather. Yeah. Yeah, well, bless his heart. Well, hey, let's look at the... Wide the ditch? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I I shook my fist at him as he drove by. <laughs> so now I'm that age. <laughs> yeah. Not only do I remember Tracy Lawrence back when he had full head of hair... But I shake my fist at young whippersnappers that are hot rodding around on ice. Fit me for my walker today. Um, Well, hey, there's been a lot in the news in agriculture again this week. It's rare that we get to have so much news, uh, breaking news in ag. Um, But we had the phase one of the China trade deal that was signed um, two days ago. Yesterday, uh, USMCA... They uh, it passed the Senate and now awaits uh, President Trump's signature. Um, you listened in on some things about the Phase One China deal uh, with NCBA. What are some What are some thoughts that you're hearing from the ground? The cattlemen seem really excited about it, and Jennifer Houston, she's the president of NCBA right now, and she's pretty pleased with the passage of the deal. And it sounds like they've worked pretty hard to get beef back into China and kind of grow the, the export numbers and just get those people over there the, the kind of beef that they want. 
You know, honestly, now is a time, if any, for beef to slip in and, and get some really good footholds established in China because with that African swine fever um, decimating their swine herd now down below 50% in just 24 months, um, this is the time for to replace that protein with lean beef. Yeah, and they it sounds like the, the Chinese people really like the corn-fed beef as opposed to a grass-fed beef that they're getting from Australia or South South America. And with the fires going on in Australia, there's no telling what that's going to do to their beef market over there. Yep. Um, that's sad. Sad, of course. I mean, we've been watching the fires in Australia. I've got friends down that direction that I've met um you know, in various forms of my life, and and uh, watching that just breaks your heart. Uh, wildfires of any sort just give you give you heartburn. Um, well, let's look at UMCA. It passed the Senate, and we're it's sitting on President Trump's desk for signature. Um, I'm hearing some good good positive vibes off of that. It's about time from a lot of uh, farm organizations. You know, uh, NAFTA broke open, wide open, uh, trade with, with, um, Mexico and Canada when it was passed in the early nineties. Uh, this new renegotiated trade deal, uh, USMCA, it fixes some of the things that NAFTA left open. It's another phase. It's another step towards, uh, some really good trade, um, trade deals. Uh, wheat sees some benefits. They're going to see some of, um, American wheat, if it, those guys on the on the border, when they take their wheat across to a elevator in Canada, uh, it no longer gets treated as feed wheat grade, um, even if it's high, highly, even if it would be graded differently in in, in the United States. Um, looks like uh, pork is going to see some big wins. Uh, soybeans and corn are going to see some big wins. Um, dairy, in particular, is going to see uh, the protections from. Canadian dairy, that's going to be um, cut, it looks like, in that USMCA. And so it, it looks like agriculture is got, has got some wins in the column, and that's, that's some good news, I, I guess. So anyway, it looks like uh, we've got some good movement on some trade for agriculture. That's a really good way to start 2020, I think. I think we're going to start seeing some, some movement in prices, hopefully, and... Uh, Farmers, have, farmers and ranchers really need that, that breathing space. And we're going to be talking to farmers and ranchers next week at our Soil Health U, right, Kayleen? Yeah. It sounds like they got a pretty good schedule and then slate of speakers coming up. Yep. Next week, uh, January 22nd and 23rd, is our uh, Soil Health U in Salina, Kansas. And if you haven't already registered, there's still time to register. Uh, you can find those in, that information at hpj.com. Um, by the way, don't forget, we've got Alfalfa U coming up fast in February. Uh, the dates are February 11th in St. George, Utah, February 18th in Gary, Nebraska, and February 20th in Dodge City, Kansas. Uh, registration for Alfalfa U is free, and you can find that online at www.alfalfau.com. And it sounds like our schedules are packed at Alfalfa U, just like they are at uh, Soil Health U with good speakers for all those sites. We can't wait to see you at our event. If you ha all have a comment or a thought, drop us a line at hpjtalk at hpj.com. 
and let us know, or you can call us at the office, 1-800-452-7171. Hey, and do us a favor and head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts and leave us a a review. Well, in this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories you might have missed in the January 13th print edition, and Kayleen, of course, will have our markets. The wind and ice are still brutal out there, but the livestock got to be fed and watered. So while you head out to go chop some ice and water tubs, hop in that cab, turn up the heat, and ride with us here on HPJ Talk. Inside the January 13th print edition of High Plains Journal, we take a preview at the Soil Health You and Trade Show with Shauna Rumbaugh. Remember, you can still register by visiting SoilHealthU.net or calling 620-227-7171. Kayleen, you had the editorial this week encouraging readers to come to Soil Health You. Well, that's right, Kayleen. Uh, In What's Old is New Again, I tell you what, you really sparked the thought of that with your last story of 2019 about our history here at HBJ. You know, a lot of our soil health topics could come from the pages of my grandpa's field journals or my great-grandpa's production records. Um, There are always ways that we can tweak what they did and to work it into our modern age and work with nature. Thanks for that editorial Leading back to my, my cover story, um, elsewhere on that page, we have Seymour clearly calling out Hollywood hypocrisy, and Greg Haynes, CEO of the Cattlemen's Beef Board, writes about producer-driven beef checkoff dollars are the cattlemen's skin in the game. And Kayleen, you have a status update on the cattle trace program from the recent corn-fed beef seminar at High Plains Feed Yard. And that you heard from Tom Jones of High Plains and uh, Mark Gardner of Gardner Angus, both two fellas who know something about something, right? <laughs> yeah, they're both on the board of Cattle Trace now, and they've been adding board members to the group for the last year or so, and they've been trying to make some progress and gather some data. And um, Tom spoke about how he's had visitors to the feed yard. He, he welcomes visitors, and he had some from a group from Australia that really kind of stuck out in his mind, and he. The, question, the first question out of their mouths was, what do you guys do for traceability? And he said they didn't care about what they were doing at the feed yard at that moment. They wanted to talk about traceability. And to the answer, <laughs> we have a pilot project. And Tom really thought that was a pretty sorry excuse. And so he's really trying to, um, you know, put his, his word in with the board and, and try to find a way to get this program moving along. You know, it's something that people don't, they, they kind of don't quite understand. Why why is traceability, I mean, don't we already have that? I, I see that, you know, I buy my meat at the store. Um, what more traceability um, do we need? And and why is that a, a, a key thing for cattlemen like, you know, Mark Gardner and, and Tom Jones to sign on to? Well, I think with this program, they're really wanting, in case there is a disease outbreak, that they can trace the animal in question back to where it began and kind of investigate it that way and try to find out what went wrong and, you know, what to blame and who has the information. And, 
you know, cattlemen are a little skeptical sometimes when the government's involved or when there's data collection. They they think that certain people don't need to know what's going on in their farm, and to an extent that's true, but they also need to understand that if there is a disease outbreak that they need to be accountable for what, they're, what product they're putting out there on the market. That's true. That's true. And it's not just, I mean, the diseases... Uh, livestock diseases could be devastating, not just to the farm that's in question, but to a whole yeah. swath, a whole state or, or a whole region's agriculture. Yeah. The whole, the whole industry is impacted by a disease outbreak. I mean, you never know how far it's going to travel or where it's going to go or where it's going to end up. Yep. You know, we look at the, the flu season in humans right now. Um, and it's kind of comparable to what could happen with livestock in a, in a broad term, in a broad sense. You know, with flu being so prevalent right now, we have no way of quarantining people, um, but we can quarantine livestock. We can, um, we can set, you know, set up some procedures and, and find out where that disease started and where those animals might have come into contact with other animals or livestock haulers had come into contact with premises and and these things. Um, you're right. This way, we can have a quicker response, and fewer animals and fewer people are impacted. It's a it's really a, a smart decision. Yeah, like like you said, with the, the haulers, they go to so many premises every week. You know, picking cattle up, dropping cattle off, and it's just it would be hard to wrap your brain around how far they could spread something. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and we even, we we say this, and we already have things in place that limit, um, we, we call it, you know, biosecurity standards. Uh, when I go on to a premise to go and, and, well, when I went out to High Plains Feeders to do a story with Tom Jones a couple of years back, I had to go to the office, I had to check in, I left my vehicle at the office in that parking lot, and we drove in his truck um, through the cattle. So that way, um, I didn't bring anything into the feedlot um, just on the tires of my vehicle type of thing. Um, There are are times where we go to a a hog facility, and we have to wash in and wash out because you want to make sure that you don't bring in anything on your clothing or yourself that could harm something. Um, the dairy guys, holy cow, you know, the, the measures that they have to go to go through just to protect their livestock from anything that could come from another uh, place brought in from a milk truck. Um, so interesting, interesting. Well, Hey folks, if you've got a response to something you've heard or, or you've read in our pages, or there's a local topic you want to bring to the attention of our readers and listeners, please write to us over at journal at hpj.com. Or you can always write to us at hpjtalk at hpj.com. Or you can call us at 1-800-452-7171. We'd love to chat with you. Here's a little excerpt from Monty Vanderveer's portion of the January 6th Kansas Corn School in Montezuma, Kansas. 
Moni is the Extension Ag Economist at the Kansas State University Southwest Research and Extension Center in Garden City, Kansas. We've been talking about the 2018 Farm Bill since even before 2018, so it was a long time coming out. It finally got passed, it was a little over a year ago, uh, right before Christmas a uh, year ago, and then the federal government had its uh, shutdown, you remember, so FSA was that much longer delayed uh, starting to work on the rules and all the procedures and everything. So uh, that, that set us back a little bit. Is there anyone from FSA here? Any FSA folks? It's always a disappointment because I like somebody to answer the hard questions. Somebody else who knows, uh, knows the answers on that. But that's the, uh, your FSA folks are super, super folks on knowing all those details. The Farm Bill, you know, we're interested in that first one, the Commodity Program, but it actually covers quite a bit of ground, right? There's 12 titles in the Farm Bill, um, and uh, there, I point this out, where's, where's Sarah? I was going to show her. There's actually research and extension. There's a title for us in there in the Farm Bill. Um, out of these 12, do you guys know which one uh, has the most money allocated to it? Nutrition. Yeah, nutrition. It's nutrition. There we go. Yeah. Nutrition, uh, that's what we used to call food stamps, right? Now it's called SNAP, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. Uh, and that, yeah, that accounts for about three-fourths of the, uh, the money that's allocated under this bill. And so, uh, that uh, political compromise or that political arrangement dates back even to the 70s. You may remember, I think Jimmy Carter was the first, uh, first farm bill we had this arrangement. The idea was, how are we going to get urban representatives to vote for uh, the money that goes to farmers? Well, we'll put the food stamp program in there with it. And that's, that's the political compromise they came up with. We get a we get away from the uh, urban uh, representatives to vote for us. Now, if you look at the three major slices that uh, represent the farm part of the program, fairly even divided between crop insurance, the commodity programs, and conservation. And I pointed out that research and extension just because that's our slice right there. That we're, we're sort of the rounding error in, in that pie. Um, but notice that now crop insurance is actually the biggest part, biggest slice on the farm part of that pie. So that's made crop insurance uh, another target for uh, budget cutters and people who want to make some big reforms. Um, if you step back and take a big look at the farm bill, you could probably call it a status quo farm bill. And that, that's mainly referring to this first point here, the commodity programs, we had last time around, ARC and PLC, right? Those were kept in virtually the same form as we had last time. So ARC and PLC, and thank goodness we understand them a little bit better than uh, last time around. So, But they're the ones that are still in place. Crop insurance came through uh, protected, I think, in a little bit. Uh, well, it was, it was targeted for several things. Remember, they were talking about income testing. They were talking about uh, limits on the premium subsidies, remember? They were talking about getting rid of the uh, harvest price option on revenue insurance. All of those things uh, were voted down. 
But since uh, crop insurance is such a big part of the Farm Bill pie now, it's probably going to be have to fight those battles again in the future, would be my guess. Uh, crop insurance is just a big slice of the pie now. Um, dairy had a, a kind of a tweak to their program. Uh, on the cotton side, uh, remember Stacks was the only cotton program last time around. It's kind of an area insurance type product. But now, uh, it was actually in the 2018 budget bill that the cotton guys got a new commodity created called seed cotton. So uh, now seed cotton has ARC and PLC coverage for it too. Now, we don't have much cotton base. I don't know if we have hardly any cotton base in Kansas. So not such a big deal for us, but uh, cotton, cotton had some changes. On the conservation side, our CRP acres, remember they were trending down, down, down. Well, with the low uh, crop prices, they decided to put more acres back in CRP. So that's, that's uh, kind of a reversal on that policy. Um, should mention something on payment limits. Remember the old payment limitation was $125,000? They kept that the same, and actually what they did was they extended the definition of family who, who were all eligible for that $125,000. Uh, it got extended uh, further out through the family, nieces, nephews, first cousins. Um, the, uh, they're still at an uh, AGI uh, cap at $900,000. And here's something that may be important for us. The marketing loan deficiency payment type programs, uh, they are no longer counted toward that $125,000 limit, all right? That was a big deal. Remember in 2016, we, had to get, we were getting the marketing loan deficiency payments, um, and that counted against our, our other uh, payments we could receive. Well, that, that restriction is gone now. So. Uh, here's probably the thing that is, uh, you know, we talked about the Farm Bill being status quo. Here's the thing that's not status quo. Remember in the 2014 Farm Bill, uh, those were some of our best income years. This, uh, this chart shows uh, uh, income data from our Kansas Farm Management Association, right? We have the financial records from those folks. Uh, the, the years leading up to the 2014 Farm Bill, those were probably some of our best income years, maybe ever. Uh, but then look what happened to farm income after that. You guys have had some of the toughest run that, that we've had for uh, probably a couple decades in there. So uh, the financial situation uh, with the new farm bills pretty, looks pretty different than uh, we did last time around. In fact, we came up with this chart just to show how important these uh, government program payments have been to our KFMA members. You look in 2015, the blue bars, the government payments, that, that made the difference between being in the red and being in the black for our average KFMA member uh, that year. Things have, have come bounced back a little bit, but the, uh, the farm program payments, or the, all the government payments, that would include the MFP, uh, that has, uh, they've been important for us the last few years. Um, we talked about that two-year decision versus a five-year decision. I think when you, you saw how hard it was to predict the, the 2014 through 2018 payments, right? I think that's going to be a real, real advantage to us this time around. Um, so you have to come up with some idea on prices the next two years and, and your yields. We actually have a pretty good idea on the 2019 yields. Um, be careful. Don't, don't get caught in that trap of 
Well, I picked ARC last time. I better go with PLC. Uh, run the numbers, okay? Be satisfied with, with what you uh, think you're actually expecting. Be sure to watch for more from Monty in an upcoming issue of High Plains Journal or online at www.hpj.com. Your grain market prices from Dodge City's Pride Resources on January 7th. Corn was down at $3.70. Wheat was down at $4.27. Milo was down at $3.20. And soybeans were down at $8.29. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com slash sign up. Simply select the topics that interest you, and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Be sure to watch for the soybean technology issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes January 20th with a story from our colleague David Murray at Waterways Journal. And look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com slash podcasts. You can also find us on places like iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. We're also on Instagram. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember... As Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. This has been a production of High Plains Journal, all rights reserved. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. The headlights on both ends of my day. Right!